Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. All right. How's everybody doing today? Anybody awake? Awake, wide awake? Awesome. Thank you for being in the house today. Trust you sense God's presence. I want to remind you of, of uh, something that we're doing. We started giving these out last week. Uh, we have a little bin up here, and uh, I'll make sure Brother Brian has them on, the way, on your way out today. These are business card-sized little blank cards. And what we're doing is uh, writing down names of people that we want to see saved in uh, the coming time, the coming season, okay? And so this is mine. I've started mine. I've got several on there. You can do it however you want. You can. I'm just doing a first name and a last initial because um, I know who they are and God knows who they are. And so I'm going to write these people down. And then what we're going to do is we're going to attach them to this cross over here in the corner in front of the baptistry. And uh, I've said this every week. You know, it's not a magic card. It's not a magic cross. But it's a touch point, right? It's, it's a physical step of faith that we can do where we can say to God, God, I am praying for these people. And while you are praying for these people in your life that need to be saved, we are going to be praying for those people as well, all right? As a church, every Sunday, we're going to start praying over this cross before we leave in uh, the 9 and the 11, all right? Um, and then the pastoral team and the prayer team that's been established, they're also going to be praying during the week, and we're going to be praying in agreement, all right? We're not going to be taking over the prayer. We're praying in agreement. So we're coming alongside you, and we're agreeing that God will move because the Bible says where any two or three agree is touching anything, it will be done. The Bible says that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we're going to bind sin. We're going to loose salvation, right? And then whatever else they need. If they need healing, they need deliverance, whatever else they need, God can do it all. Do you believe that? God can do it all. But we're just doing this to kind of engage before we really begin uh, presenting the gospel every Sunday as we've talked about back through January. We want to begin with a, a season of prayer. And we want to make sure that these things, these people are being covered in every way. Is that cool? Everybody understand? Awesome. Awesome. We'll make sure you guys get a card. And if you need more than one card, we have plenty. All right? You might have a lot of lost folks in your life. And, uh, and that's totally fine. Jesus can handle it, right? If you got your Bible this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. We're going to be in uh, Romans as well and Galatians, but I don't know if I'm going to get to those. We'll see if we get past Mark 10 first. How's that? Mark 10, verse 35. I'll read this. We'll pray. Give you the title. Mark 10, 35 says, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus, saying to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. What? Wow. That's some gumption, isn't it? We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And then Jesus, full of grace and mercy, no doubt, says to them, what do you want me to do for you? Verse 37, they said to him, grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. 
They said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Another version says, prepared by my Father. All right, so I want to preach to you this morning on this Baptism Sunday, even though no one's being baptized in this service. Uh, Submit and be baptized. Submit and be baptized. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it would be on time, that it would be relevant, Lord, for this crew of people, for every person who hears it, Lord. Even though many of us, most of us, Lord, have likely been baptized a long time ago or even a few times over. God, let this word become fresh and new in our spirits, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Um, Even though it is a baptism Sunday, I am not actually speaking strictly of water baptism today. I want to highlight to you, whether you've been uh, baptized a week ago or a a millennia ago, it seems like. How many folks were baptized over, I don't know, 10 years ago? 20 years ago? 30 years ago? I'm, I'm right at that 30 mark myself. 40 years ago? Oh, my goodness, 50. Oh, my goodness, 60. That's, yeah, okay, we'll stop there. Wow, wow, that's incredible. Do you still remember it like it was yesterday? I remember when I got baptized. I got baptized in the old sanctuary when I was eight years old, so 29 years ago. And uh, where the youth storage room is now, there was a baptistry there, and it was a big, awesome 70s green tub. And it was just a giant bathtub with a pretty painted mural behind it. The mural was very nice. The tub wasn't all that nice, but the mural was really nice. And uh, I remember getting baptized, and I walked down in it. And, of course, surprise, surprise, I was so small, my dad baptizing me had to lift me up so they could see me because I was shorter than the wall of the tub. And, uh, and I remember getting baptized, and it was, it was awesome. And I, I did it years later once again as an adult just to do the first works over again. But we all remember that day. It's a powerful thing. There are entire denominations that believe that you have to be baptized if you want to go to heaven. We don't believe that. We believe that baptism in water is an outward show of an inward change. Um, But regardless of how you feel about baptism or even what you remember about it, what I hope to highlight to you today is that when you got saved and came into relationship with Jesus, you were baptized in that moment into something much greater than a tub of water. Amen? You're baptized into something much bigger. Something happened inside you that has given us an opportunity to become immersed in something greater. And so I want to highlight this to you today. It was not just an opportunity to get baptized out of hell and into heaven. It was not just an opportunity to acknowledge what Jesus did in your heart, but something monumental has taken place. A monumental opportunity has come our way as believers all right, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus is in Judea, uh, the area around Jerusalem. He's been there for some time. He's actually nearing the end of his ministry, and he's heading into his final week on the earth. And at this point, Jesus is approached by James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And James and John were part of Jesus' inner circle. They were, he had an inner circle of three, uh, Peter, James, and John. All right, These were uh, two of the three that saw Jesus transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. These were the ones that he would later invite to go and pray with him at the Garden of Gethsemane uh, on several occasions. And so these men were in tight with Jesus. They clearly thought they were in tight with Jesus as well, based on what they asked him. 
It's interesting, this story is also related in the Gospel of Matthew, and in Matthew, he includes that their mother came with the request. So for whatever reason, whether it was their mother who actually voiced the request, it's pretty well implied that James and John originated the request, okay? It was something that was up upon their heart. Maybe they were a little bit wimpy and decided to ask Mama to, to ask Jesus. I don't know. Uh, but according to the Gospel of Mark, the way Peter remembered it, because Peter, uh, the Gospel of Mark is Peter's account of the Gospel, uh, the way Peter remembered it, they came. And that could, that could tell us really more about Peter than James and John at that point, honestly. Because you'll read on down through the passage and you will see that it actually, their request actually kind of perturbed the other disciples. It made them a little aggravated that these guys would be so bold as to ask Jesus this thing. So they ask Jesus, we want you to do something for us. And he says, what do you want me to do? They say, grant that we may sit on your right, one on your right and one on your left, in your glory. Clearly, they were starting to understand that bigger things were happening, but they had this question, and it seems on the surface a little bit self-centered. It certainly seems bold. But I wonder if this question was not so much self-centered or if it was the fact that they were close to Jesus and they wanted to remain close to Jesus. Amen? Have you found yourself as you've journeyed longer with him that you've gotten closer to him? Anybody? You've gotten closer. And it's nice being closer to Jesus, isn't it? Feels good sometimes, doesn't it? Feels good to feel like he, he's there, he's near, he's hearing, he's reaching and touching. And so perhaps from that, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. From that perspective, that's why they came to him and said, let us sit on either side of you in your heavenly kingdom. It says in verse 38, but Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? That's a little wordy, but essentially he asked two questions here. Are you willing to drink the cup that has come to me? And are you willing to be immersed or baptized in what I've been immersed or baptized into? Now understand, Jesus, in speaking of baptism, is not speaking of being baptized by John the Baptist. He's not speaking of water here, okay? Understand that. He is speaking of something bigger. The first question he asks, are you able to drink of the cup that I drink? What would be the cup that Jesus would drink from? What would be the cup? That Jesus drank. I think on a surface level, you could look at this. You could say death. You could say uh, maybe persecution. And it's possible that it's persecution. Uh, you know, it, when it comes to James and John even, James would die due to persecution. John himself would suffer great persecution but would never die from it. So I think we could safely rule out death as the cup that Jesus would drink from, that they would also drink from. Persecution, you might could say. All right, the cup that, that, that he drank from and they drank from was intense persecution. But I think the Scripture give us, gives us a much clearer understanding of what Jesus' cup was. The cup is explained in three, in three of the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus went a little beyond them. He fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. In Mark 14, 36, and as he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. In Luke 22, 42, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In this passage, we could imply, in these passages, we could imply that maybe the cup was crucifixion, but 
that's not the same cup that John and James would, would drink from, is it? I want to submit this to you, this idea to you, that the cup that Jesus drank from was not a cup of persecution. It was not a cup of death. It was not a cup of crucifixion. But it was actually a cup of submission. The cup that Jesus drank on that night was one of submission. He said in three occasions, right? He said, if it's, if it's your will, Father. He said, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this pass from me. In, in Mark 13, 14, 36, he says, remove this cup from me. And he says the same in Luke 22. Yet not as I will, but what you will. Jesus is choosing to drink a cup of submission. This is the cup that James and John also drink from. This is the cup that you and I choose to drink from. I say choose because Jesus had to choose it. If Jesus had to choose submission, you and I have to choose submission. Amen? If Jesus had to choose submission, he had done everything right for 33 and a half years. And in one moment, he had to choose to drink that cup of submission for his purpose to be fulfilled. So we can't even just say that we drink this cup of submission when we get saved. We can't say that. Because Jesus didn't do that just at the beginning. He did. He went into the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil. He chose to submit to the word of God, to the, the authority of God. He did that, sure. But he also did it here at the end. Over and over again, Jesus drank from a cup of submission. Therefore, as believers, the cup that, that is brought to our lips more often than anything else, is a cup of submission. And I would say the cup that is most turned away in the life of a believer is the cup of submission. Amen? Are you with me? You get the picture? All right. This is a cup of submission. It's submitting to the will of God. He says, let this pass from me. Remove it from me. But he says, yet not as I will in Matthew. In Mark, he says, yet not what I will. And then in Luke, he says, yet not my will. Three different ways that the, the authors explained Christ's submission. Not what I want, not what I desire, not my direct desire even, Lord. I submit to you. I submit to you. Yes, the cross came. Yes, persecution came. But fulfillment came too. Mission was accomplished as well because he drank from the cup of submission. As believers, what we must do individually and as a church is choose the cup of submission. Amen? We must choose it. We must choose it. It's interesting that, that the, James and John, they're after a seat of proximity to Jesus, right? They want to be close to Jesus in eternity. You know, they feel him. They're near him now. They're with him now. That's awesome. But they want to be near him forever. And to get near him forever, we have to submit. You with me? We have to submit. So this cup of submission that he had to drink from is what, is, uh, what the opportunity is for us as well. Do you have it in you to drink from that cup? That's what Jesus asks them. Are you willing to submit to the point of death? Now Paul goes on to tell us in Romans that that death is death to self. For us, we're, we're not called to a cross, thank God. We're not called to that cross, I should say. Jesus did say, take up your cross and follow me, right? But we're not called to his cross, thank God. 
And hopefully, by the grace of God, we never are called to that level of persecution that even James and John encountered, okay? Hopefully, by the grace of God. But if that cup were to come, if that were the next step in submission, see, we we got to start with what God's already telling us to do. Amen? So many believers want this grand gifting or this grand um, outpouring or this grand thing that God wants to do in their life, but they don't do the basic things. They don't submit when God says don't lie. They don't submit. They don't come to church often enough to submit, right? They, don't, they forsake the, the assembling of themselves together. They do. People do that. They don't read the Word. They don't get in His presence. They don't talk to Him. They don't get in the secret place. There are a lot of ways that people don't submit. And then when we don't submit and things happen that are outside of God's plan, we're like, where's God? Where's God? Well, did you invite God into it to begin with? They marry whoever they want. They date whoever they want. They go to whatever school they want. They get whatever job they can get. And they never invite God into it. And if we don't invite God in, how can we submit? If we don't even ask Him, how can we get His direction? much less submit to that direction. So the cup of submission is huge in the life of the believer, just like it was in the life of Jesus, just like it was in the life of the apostles. Submit, church. We have to submit. I know this is very pastoral. Sorry. That's all I am. We have to submit. We have to choose every day to talk to him. We have to choose every day to say, not my will, but thy will be done. We have to choose every day if we're going to believe that book and talk to that God and expect him to talk back. Jesus asked him, are you able to drink from that cup? And that is what he's asking us still today. Are you able? Are we willing? They made a bold statement. They said, we are able. We are able. Let's see. It was, uh, let's see. Verse 38, yes. And then back to Mark 10, 39. They said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized. That word baptized in the Greek is is the Greek word baptizo. That word means to immerse or submerge. To immerse or submerge. Now this is interesting. There's a note in the concordance about this word. There's two words in this verse that are used, uh, baptizo and baptisma, and they both come from the same word, bapto. And I know this is boring, but hold on, hang with me, okay? There's an example in early Greek literature, all right? Clearest example shows the meaning of baptizo is a text from the Greek poet and physician Nicander who lived about 200 B.C., so 200 years before Christ. It's a recipe, this, this literature is a recipe for making pickles, And it's helpful because it uses both words. Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped, bapto, dipped, all right, dipped, into boiling water and then baptized, baptizo, in the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution, but the first is temporary, dip. The second, baptizo, the act of baptizing the vegetable produces a permanent change. Isn't that a vivid picture? Isn't that cool? My wife actually wanted me to call the sermon uh, cucumber or pickle, but I couldn't live up to that. So maybe in youth group days, but I can't do that now. <laughs> I don't feel creative enough. But it's, it's a neat concept. It's a picture of, of just dipping. We're not talking about being dipped into the plan of God. 
We're not talking about being dipped into the purpose of God in our life. We're not talking about being dipped into the kingdom and pulled back out. Dipped into the kingdom and pulled back out. But that's how lots of believers live, all right? Sunday, they're dipped in. They pull back out. Wednesday, they're dipped in, and they pull back out, if you get that, all right? That's the picture. But what God wants is submersion, immersion. He wants something that gets in you and saturates you. He wants his cause, his kingdom, his word, his purpose to so get in you that it permanently changes you. This is what baptism is. It's not just about being dipped in water because that's what you do after you say the prayer. It's about the fact that now we've drank from a cup of submission. And now is the time to be changed by what we've submitted to. Now is the time for that submission to facilitate the uh, transforming work of God in our life. That's baptism. God has baptized us, church. He's baptized us. He he will let you dip in and out all you want, or you can be changed. He can let you be affected, or He can let you be transformed. But the only way I end up close to Him for eternity is transformation. Dipping won't get me near Him. Church, dipping won't get you near him. It might assuage your conscience. It might, it might get your mama off your back or your grandma off your back, but it doesn't make you close to him. It doesn't mean that what's, what is immersed or what immersed him has now immersed you. We get tastes. We get glimpses. We get, we get those dipping moments in and out of our life, but there's a, a time where we have to choose to submit and be submerged. I want to finish up with you guys talking about some of the things that Jesus was immersed in. Because that's the question. All right, if Jesus was immersed, and it wasn't just the cross. It wasn't just this this coming to earth to live perfectly and die for others and then rise again. Because we can't do that. Amen? That's not our mission. We can't do that. What does it have to do? What was Jesus immersed in that James and John could be immersed in? What was Jesus immersed in that you and I can become immersed in? In Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Seek and to save that which was lost. We, we can be immersed in that. We can do that part, right? We can do that. We know what it is to be found, don't we? We know what it is for God to find us and to bring us in. We can do that. We can help other people who are lost be found. In John three seventeen. The author said, for God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world or to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The world might be saved through him. James and John became immersed in this idea because John wrote that. Became immersed in this idea that Jesus came to save the world before he came to condemn it. He came to save the world. We can become immersed in that idea. We can become immersed in that truth that the gospel is powerful enough to save the whole wide world, to save all of culture, all of society. Now, will they all? Probably not, but they could because there's enough. There's enough Jesus. There's enough gospel to save every person that has ever, ever been. They got immersed in that truth. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus was immersed in doing the Father's will and accomplishing what the Father told him to do. We can do that. We can do that. We can become saturated with this idea of hearing God and doing what he says. 
John 8, 28, Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, you'll know that I am, and I do nothing on my own, but I say these things as the Father instructed me. We can become immersed in doing nothing for ourselves, but doing only what the Father says. John 8, 38, I speak of the things which I have seen with my Father, Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. He goes on to say that their father's the devil. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees and the religious folks. But they had an opportunity to become immersed in what he was immersed in. He was immersed in doing and speaking the things that he'd seen his father do. The only way for Jesus to see and hear what the father was doing was for Jesus to be connected to the father. Close. Oh, sure, God was in heaven God, no, don't bet on it. His son was on the earth. God the Father was as close as he could be to his son. Church, God the Father will be as close as he can be to us too. Amen? Amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe he can be close to you? Do you believe he's the present help in time of trouble? What about in times of good? Is he present then too? He can be. Certainly he can be. We can get immersed in him just like Jesus was. We can see what he's doing and hear what he's saying and then do those things. John 14, 10, he says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father, as he remains in me, does his works. Jesus was immersed in mission and purpose and the leading of his Father in heaven. That's what Jesus was immersed in. That's what Jesus was telling James and John they could become immersed in. Not just water. Not just religion. Amen? Not just ministry. Not just piety. The Father, the kingdom, the heart of God Almighty. We can become immersed in Him. So much so that we see Him and hear Him and then we do it. Most of us are just worried about getting to heaven. There's so much more. There's so much more to be immersed in than just surviving the day. The days are rough. I get it. They're rough on us too. It seems like the longer you go, the harder it gets sometimes. But the opportunity, the invitation is the same one that he gave to James and John. And that is the invitation to drink from the cup of submission and then to immerse ourselves in the Father and the kingdom, and the purpose and plan that he has for us. And if we could put a church together full of people that are immersed in him like that, Winchester doesn't stand a chance. Amen? This region doesn't stand a chance. The enemies in this region, they don't stand a chance against people that are immersed in him. But we've got to do that. People say, you know, there's, it's one of the things I've seen uh, since this whole Asbury thing, there's a lot of, you know, Pharisee-type stuff going on. And you've got really two schools of thought in the kingdom right now. And that is that God is so sovereign that we have no say in anything. That's the other side. And then you got our side that's a little bit more like, no, we have a say. And honestly, but we need to, we need to honor God's sovereignty a little more, don't we? As Pentecostals, Charismatics, sometimes I think we have too much, I think we think we have too much influence with God. Amen? We have influence with God. Moses changed God's mind. 
Abraham changed God's mind. It can happen. All right, it can happen. We can have an influence in a situation if we're close to him. But we got to be close like Moses was. We got to be close like Abraham was. The problem is that most believers aren't that close, but they expect to change God's mind. So then God has to move in sovereignty and do something anyway that we don't understand or agree with, and then we wonder about him because we don't really know him. But if we get close like they were, if we get immersed like they were, then God can be sovereign, and then he can also check with us on occasion. Does that make sense? And I don't mean check for permission. Remember that context. God told Moses, I'm going to wipe them out and start over with you. And Moses said, God, I fear for your reputation in that. Amen? That's what Moses said. He didn't say no. He said, the people that enslaved us are going to say, you brought us out to destroy us. Amen? Abraham said, God, if you can find ten righteous in Sodom, will you spare it? And God said, yeah, I can't hide this from Abraham, my friend. Amen? All right. Immersed. The cup of submission, the baptism, the immersion of the kingdom. That's what we're talking about. That's what it means as a believer for us to be baptized. Yeah, we went down in the water, and we came up as a symbol. That old man died, and that new man came up. That's awesome. What are we going to do with the new man? What are we going to immerse the new man in? Because most people take that new man and immerse them back in the world. Are we going to immerse that new man in Christ, in the kingdom? Amen? Stand with me this morning. Is that a hard word? All right. I ask, so you can't say nothing now. It's the truth. It's what stirred in my spirit today. Is we were, we were, I knew we were going to be doing baptism, but I read this passage the other night, and it just grabbed me. The invitation that Jesus was giving to these these great apostles, as we know them. You know why we know them as great apostles? Because they drank the cup and they they were baptized. They were immersed. It cost them everything. James was the first apostle to die. He didn't get very long past Pentecost that he was killed. First one. John went through unbelievable persecution. Boiled, beaten, just wouldn't die. That doesn't mean he was invincible. It doesn't mean he didn't bear the scars and the marks. By the time he was an old man, he probably looked pretty mangled, pretty messed up. But he was so immersed in the plan of God. And, and I understand this is not something where everybody's going to be like, yeah, sign me up for that. <laughs> yeah, I want to be boiled and survive. You know, no, I don't either. I don't either. But they got so immersed in him that when that came, they didn't cave. They didn't give in. You know what? I don't know if I have that in me right now. But another 30 years, I might. You may not have that in you right now. Another 10, 20, 30 years, you might if you get immersed in him. I hope we never have to do it. I hope we never, ever do. But there's a whole lot of other things that we can become, that we can accomplish if we become immersed in him. So let's lift our hands this morning. Let's ask the Lord, or let's tell the Lord, if you're on board with being immersed into him, just that he can do whatever. Father, we come to you today, and God, we answer that same question that Jesus asked, Lord. 
we answer that same question. Are we able to drink from that cup and be baptized in that baptism? And, Father, we ask you to give us the courage and the strength, the clarity to say within ourselves to you, yes or no, yes or no. But, God, we want to be immersed in you. God, I don't want to just go down in the water and come back up out of ritual. God, I don't want to just live saved so I don't go to hell. God, I want to live saved so I can become immersed in your kingdom and in your word so I can see you and hear you and do what you say and and do what you do. God, that's what I want. Give me the courage. Immerse me, Lord. Immerse me, Lord, in what Jesus was immersed in. Immerse me, Lord God. Baptize me, God. Take me down deep into it. Overwhelm me into what they had. And by your grace, God, let that fuel everything that I need to do in this world until I stand before you. And everything that this church must do until we stand before you. And Lord, when we stand before you, let there be miles long of people who are changed and impacted and transformed, who are immersed in your kingdom just like you did for us. And we thank you for it, Lord. Change Winchester in Jesus' name, God. Change Lexington and Paris and Mount Sterling, God. Change Richmond and Stanton and Clay City, God. Change Irvin, God. Change this region. In Jesus' mighty name, use us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.